Morning Liberty. Well, hello, friends. How's it going, well, man? Welcome to the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Uh, you know, we're recording this live, by the way. Uh, this The latest episode was live from Politicon. Today's live from the frigid upper stairs of my house. It's so cold up here. I don't know who did this. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. It had to be. I mean, if you haven't been up here since last Friday, I guess, it would probably be the last time you were upstairs. I know. So it's we must have turned it down on Friday. You know, I was upstairs last night, though, because I'm putting together... Well, I'm helping my girlfriend put together a dresser for uh, for Parker, which is my son, by the way. And so I came upstairs last night because that dresser's not done yet. And uh, but we were only up here for I was only up here for like five minutes and I didn't notice. Maybe she got like overheated while she was putting together the dresser. It's like possible. That. Yeah, that could That's, be it. Yeah, it is so cold in here though. But now it is. Yes, it's like a fridge. We've got <laughs> meat hanging. Uh, we're actually going to open up a butcher shop now. Yeah. Well, so. I hear that like cold immersion is really good for your muscles and just your overall inflammation in your body. And as that we know, must... inflammation it kills you. Yeah. It's, it's the worst thing. That, that must be what it is. Yeah. Well, this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast, by the way. This is a libertarian podcast where we talk about free market economics. We talk about all the problems that everyone's having today in the news. And we try to present solutions that come from the free market and not from more government we don't want that we don't want that charlie what should everyone do you think well i think the first thing you should do while listening is hit subscribe unless you're driving when you get done driving then hit that subscribe button it should be purple if you're on an iphone listening to the podcast app it's, it's probably green if you're on spotify I would probably guess. yeah yeah and you spotify prob- you hit follow oh, okay but subscribe follow same same different but same same <laughs> <laughs> and just hit the button hit just start hitting buttons until you land on the subscribe one that's i think that's the yes. best option right there it's like that mitch hedberg joke so it's like just press two for a while just press two for a while yeah. if that's your uh he just wanted his phone number to be two 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 so did you have fun at politicon this weekend i had it was it was entertaining and exhausting it was very exhausting i would say that but i met the cool i mean we met a lot of really cool people so that was fun yeah um, but I will say that the, the, I guess the dichotomy of how they put people together in these different panels, it was very, it was odd because there was some, uh, I guess you could say shouting back and forth, which I, which I expected a lot more of, but then there were some oddly agree, like odd agreements between some of these panels. Um, for instance, we didn't get to watch all of the, the gun panel, yeah. but you had, you know, people that were pro-gun agreeing with anti-gun measures. Yeah. They're like, yeah, it's we're like, pro-gun, the- but well, red flag laws are cool. Yeah. Right. Who the hell decided that these people would represent the pro-gun crowd? <laughs> that, so some of the things were annoying like that, I would say. And, and then the other thing is, like, we were able to obviously represent liberty. The Libertarian Party was there representing liberty, but you had this... Um, it was mainly like Trump versus Democrats is what I felt like it kind of was. Yeah, yeah. And you had, obviously, Republican pundits and, and Democrat pundits. And you had uh, Bernie Sanders fans that were uh, talking about how they could beat uh, Trump. Yeah. Um, and that they were the way forward. And then everyone else was uh, pretty much on the Republican side, pretty pro-Trump. 
I don't think I heard anybody dissing him besides Bill Weld. Um, <laughs> there or the th- well, there are three people that are going to try to run in the Republican primary: Bill yeah. Weld and a, and a couple others. They were like the only quote unquote Republicans there that were Trump haters, but everyone else was. They were running around in MAGA hats. There weren't a lot of people, I noticed, there weren't a lot of people there representing, like, liberty as an ideology, like, free market as an ideology. It was mainly, like you said, it was Trump versus Democrats. And I will say, like, more on the socialist side of thing, things, there were a lot more tables and uh, exhibitors there that were representing that ideology. But then as far as like on the right was concerned, it wasn't really representing an ideology unless your ideology is that uh, Trump, like that's your ideology. And other than that, it was like us and the Libertarian Party. And I felt like we were kind of alone out there and representing liberty. But we got, I mean, we got a lot of people from all sides of the political spectrum, you could say, to talk to us. We did. You missed all the table debates that I had. Uh, not all of them. Well, you were there for the fascist Look, I debate. talked to a fascist for like an hour. <laughs> My God. Yeah. Hey, they were really nice people. They, well, this they kid were. seemed really smart. He was like 19, and he seemed pretty smart, but he just seemed indoctrinated. That's that's all I could really gather. I did know they were they were really young, and, and they came up, and you know what I appreciated about those guys, which I'm, you know, I'm not endorsing fascism and saying this. What I appreciated about those guys was that they were very sincere, and they were very polite, and they were really trying to represent their ideology, especially on an economic spectrum. Not, You know, they weren't... They were obviously uh, disavowing Hitler as soon as you met them. They were like not that kind of fascist, right? So, so they were they were doing that, but and then they were just talking about like the economic and governmental form of fascism and how, and how they thought that that would be the best thing for everyone. And I appreciated that that they were at least you know they were they were very nice. They were very polite, and they they seemed to know their stuff as far as what their ideology was they're saying that wasn't real fascism yeah it wasn't they did however they did like uh i guess i would say that they liked mussolini you know they think mussolini got a bad rap sounded like i know and i i just implored him to read a little bit more uh because mussolini wasn't a good person (laughs) wasn't he wasn't a good dictator yeah you know in Um, fact when you think about dictators most of them aren't good not for the most part yeah for the most part can you think of any good dictator i'm gonna look some up i'm gonna google good dictators and see what comes (laughs) up first there's the problem is and what we talked about what i talked about a lot with this kid was is like look if you had you know angels to organize society and create this moral government that you speak of um, then yeah, that might work in a place like heaven, right? Yeah. But the fact is, is if you build these power structures by trying to create a corporatism slash moral state to organize society, to somehow get rid of all of the, the bad that goes on in society, what you do is you just give the state the power to where a tyrant can walk in the door and use that power against you. This is why we talk about being against the power of the state to begin with. And this is what fascism and socialism, communism, all the other Marxisms, that's what they have in common is it's a system of government set up that gives power to the state and not to the people. And when you have something like that, undoubtedly people like Hitler and Maduro and Pol Pot and Mussolini and King, Kim Jong-un and all, all of those people are able to walk into that power 
and use it against the people for their own personal gain. And that's exactly what happens. That That is really the problem. Because, you know, those guys, I don't think they want some terrible, evil, murderous, brutal dictator kids, to be running. Yeah, they yeah did, that we were talking to. Yeah, those kids did not did not want that. Hitler did. But, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, Hitler did want that. Just put that on the record. Hitler did want that. Yeah. Yes. But these kids, they didn't they didn't want that. And sorry to say kids. I just, you know, we're getting old. So right, that's they're... just how that, that's just how I look at it. Nineteen is a kid to me. Yeah. So <laughs> um no, they didn't want that. But you know, like you said, you never know who's gonna be the next person in charge. And that's why we love the free market, because it's always changing. And these businesses that you think have a monopoly one day, well, they end up going out of business the next. And and so in the free market where, where there's not the government control, the people literally do get to decide who is providing them with things, who they are getting their services from, because they can vote with their dollars on a daily, you know, minute by minute basis all the time. Whereas when we get under control by some of these people in the government, you're you're stuck for years or some people decades and mm-hmm. uh, you just don't know what kind of bad things can happen. But um, we do have some news to go through. If you want to do, if you want to do I that, just, well, I'll still recap in Politicon. Oh, okay, okay. We did, you forgot to mention we talked to these cool guys uh, with a podcast called Politicked. Yeah, they were cool. I yeah. guess we're going to be on their podcast sometime. Yeah, we're going to be on their podcast. Yeah. I was wondering if you could reach out to them and see if you can get the clip, and we'll post it for our listeners yeah, as well. That's a good idea. They're from Knoxville, which isn't too far, three hours from from the Good Morning Liberty headquarters. Yeah, really funny guys. They have way better radio voices than we do. Yeah, like, guy, I mean. So good, great. He sounds like he's on the morning, the morning show. They, yeah, and they're 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 really funny. They do a weekly show, so you can check out politics. But they they had us come over and, and talk to them for a little while, and really really cool guys, way better voices. Like I said, if you want to listen to them other than us, I totally get it. Well, just, just don't, just don't do it. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think people are going to grow to like my voice, Charlie. I'm going to make them do it. Uh, well, you know. Well, so unfortunately, I actually, in our during our live podcast, and I've been told this by a few people, that I kind of have a little bit of a somber voice. You do. And so it kind of puts people to sleep sometimes. Some, sometimes, uh, like... If I get a little too... You'll stay on the same tone for a really right. long time. And, and if I do that... yeah. It's it's a peaceful voice. It's very peaceful. Yes. Yeah. It's very uh, um, somber is the best word I can come up with. Whereas, like your what people told me, your voice is really smooth and clean. And like when I'm talking, people are they have to stay on their toes because they have to kind of discern like through the lisp all the time what <laughs> what, what exactly I'm saying. So like uh, you can kind of keep people's attention by making it harder to understand what the person is yeah. saying. So you you just don't get any points by speaking perfectly, Charlie. That's all, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. It's just not going to work. It's worse. It's worse yeah. for the audience. We also had these, uh, you know, I will say another thing that you missed, a couple things Charlie missed when he would walk off to go to the bathroom or something like that. Um, we had these, uh, a, a bunch of Bernie Sanders Bernie Sanders supporters come over, and of course we have a giant banner behind us that says BernieLies.com, because mm-hmm. that's our website. So we had some Bernie Sanders supporters come up to us, and and um, you know there were these three people, and they came up, and at first they were, I would say, fairly hostile. They were very, they were very upset about the name of our website, asking, "What? What do you mean, Bernie? Li- give me something that he lies about." And I was like, "How much time do you have?" So, <laughs> uh, so we talked. I would say for thirty or forty minutes, and. The, the biggest thing that I tried to do the whole time was talk about the things that we did agree about. You know, now I obviously 
tried to uh, let them know why I believe the free market is the best answer and why I don't trust the government to fix all of our problems and why even if Bernie Sanders is a great person that he's not going to be the one that's always in control so I can't trust the government to have that control and I just tried to make sure that we could talk about the things that we agreed on like the the foreign wars or maybe Bernie's stance on uh, criminal justice reform and cash bail and one of the things we're going to talk about today is something that Bernie came out with that we that we agree with actually in his stance on the espionage act so you know there are things that we can agree on what he, I, he wants to end the fed he what I say is I'm yeah I'm worried about what he would replace it with but uh you know we'll, well we'll see it could be worse you never know well, as Milton Friedman said, that you, I mean, you quote this quite a bit. What do you replace cancer with? Uh, that would be my response, yes. <laughs> right. I, I'm not saying that Bernie has that response. Right, right. Yeah, I don't, well, at I don't least, so. okay, let's say he wants to audit the Fed. Yeah. We can start there. Yeah. That got some traction like two years ago for about two months, which was nice. Which, you know, I love the audit the Fed movement and all that, but... Listen, if I can get someone to cook my books, then the Fed's got their books taken care of, too. Okay? They're, they're not worried about anyone going through their stuff. Do you have they, someone cooking books? Yeah. Yeah, what do you think I'm doing all day? What, okay. do, they, what do they taste like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making sure the numbers look good, you know? That, that reminds me of we met uh, President Donald Trump <laughs> we <did>. at Politicon. <laughs> he, and was, he was he, so good. He was. This this guy was very, very good. I, um, could, uh, I could actually play a, a minute of our interview with him if you, if you wanted to. He yeah. was so good. I mean, he was the best interpretation, um, bigly, that I've ever... <laughs> bigly. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, he was pretty funny. And, and what reminded me of that was the fact that, that he said he could take Bill Weld's face and put it in cookie dough yeah. <laughs> and make cookies. Well, they'd, they'd be ugly cookies. Let's see what we got here. I just want to say to you guys, liberty in our country and freedom is so great. You don't have to say good morning to it. You can just say <laughs> liberty. You don't have to greet it, say hello, good morning, liberty. It's it's there whether you say good morning to it or not. Regardless, you don't Regardless. you don't have now. What could we do to make sure that we <laughs> exactly. make hey we don't have to say jobs we, get, oh, we don't have to say good morning liberty. It's just liberty is good in and of itself. Oh man, so I would recommend that guy was nice enough to come over and do a nice little video with us, which we'll be putting out tonight. So I will uh, uh, shout out their website, nice which enough. is he's yeah. a businessman. We had to do business. We for did this. make a deal with him, didn't we? Actually, so I walked away. It was actually he, a bribery deal, wasn't it? It was if you I, do this for me, then I'll I'll do that for it you. Was, it was, it was, <laughs> and I look, I am a pretty good negotiator because, and the reason why is I'm willing to walk away. So any of you guys. If you want to be good at negotiating, the the first stance you have to have is be willing to walk away. And if you're willing to walk away, you can make the best deals. I'm telling you, they are the best deals. And so I went up to this huge deal. I went up to this impersonator. Well, I went up to the president and I said, hey, Mr. President, can we take a photo? And we were originally going to do a photo, which we took some photos that we'll put up on, on the social media so you yeah. guys can see. And uh, he said, yeah, I'll do a photo if you buy this uh, this pig, this Trump piggy bank thing they were selling. And uh, and I was negotiating. It was a business deal. I was like, no, no, I'm not going to. You came over like I'll freely give all my money. Yeah. He ultimately did get you to. uh, He did, because what happened was, is I said no. And I walked away and he came over to our table and he was like. Hey, yeah, I'll I'll do a little interview. Like, let's go ahead and do one. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then you. And then because of that, then I then I purchased one because I thought that that was a 
a nice gesture. It was. And that's how business should be. We'll be releasing the full interview with faux President Donald Trump tonight on our Facebook page. And so we check need to give, that out. Uh, we need to give that guy credit. You got his card, right? Yeah, it's a Trump it party. So, like, if you got a party, you need to Trump it. Yeah, so, uh, he goes around the parties and he's like a, you know, like one of those. He doesn't ever break character. No, he's in the character entire the entire time. time. If you want to get a Donald Trump to your party, your business party that you're hosting, your office party, something like that. Go to Trump it it that's it Trump it party dot com and uh, you can get that guy to come to your party. So yeah, um, yeah, he did a great job. But um, the other thing you missed, you know, we're giving away a gun, and I will say this week, if you guys are listening, we're giving away a free gun on Friday, and you've still got the rest of the week to sign up for it. Drawing okay? happens on Friday. Yeah, you can go to gmlconnect.com. We're having people sign up. We're going to pick someone to receive a free Ruger LCP three eighty. Great concealed carry gun. And uh, and someone came up literally right after you walked off. I don't know if maybe you're intimidating so people don't want to come up and talk to you. <laughs> but as soon as you walked off, this guy came up to me. I'm pretty tall and pretty handsome. I guess so. so. That's It must have been the, uh, yeah, the tallness. Yeah. So uh, he came up to the table and he was like, I just want to ask you a question. If someone wins this gun and then they go and they kill people with it, are you going to feel responsible for that? And uh, my first answer was, um, no, no, I'm not going to feel responsible for that. Now, I did tell him that I personally would feel bad, like on a personal level, I would feel bad as if, you know, as I do anytime anyone gets killed, you would, you should feel bad about that. But I'm not held and Charlie is not held. We are not held personally responsible for the bad decisions of other people. A gun is just a tool, like any other tool, like a hammer, which was used to kill a lot of people last year, according to the FBI. Uh, just like a hammer, it can be used for different things. You know, someone who sells you a car, a car salesman, uh, should not feel responsible if you take that car and you run it into a crowd of people, or if you uh, drink and drive and you hit and you hit someone else's car and and hurt someone or kill them. But the car salesman is not responsible for that. Ultimately, it's the person who makes the decision to hurt someone that is responsible for that action. And we have to make sure that the responsibility goes where it should go. I made a correlation on the politic you know, show that we did for a few minutes. I made a correlation with that. It's like if you're giving candy away, are you responsible for diabetes if that person gets it? I guess you like, are. Like whatever. Or if you're like maybe you're selling knives or something, are you responsible? This idea that, you know, people who create tools in our society can be responsible for the choices that you make. That's one of the whole problems we have. It's a, the, the, one of the biggest problems that we have for sure. I do want to say with this gun giveaway, sign up, go to gmlconnect.com. We're going to give you a gun. Uh, but I do have to give you this little disclaimer that guns are awarded as prizes will be distributed through licensed dealer and only in compliance with federal and state laws and applicable local ordinance, ordinances. Uh, there you go. Yeah. That was good. Good yeah, job. Go. That was pretty quick. So, uh, uh, like what I said, yeah. you have to you have to be eligible. Yes. To win it, you do. You have to pick it up from a gun store when there's we ship no, it to you. So you, yeah, there's no convention or gun show or podcast show loophole here. There's not. Okay. We're we're lobbying for one to, be, to get written in a law, but it right. hasn't been yet. <laughs> so we'll we'll see if we can get that. This is a this is your legal gun giveaway. <laughs> We've got some other stuff from Politicon we'll be talking about here in a little bit, like Clay Aiken completely losing his mind during one of the debates that we watched. Yes, Clay Aiken, that one, uh, losing his mind during one of the debates we watched. I got a good clip. I put it all together of of just how 
uh, crazy some of these people with this ideology can get, how just a, emotional and immature is what I would say they, they can get at this at that some point in time. But we'll play that here in a bit. But kind of first, I want to do some news. I, w- I wanted to say, if you don't know who Clay Aiken is, you probably are okay not to know who he is because he was the runner-up yeah. to Ruben Stutter in uh, American Season two Idol, of American like, Idol, like maybe? 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, long time ago. And so no one really cares. Yeah, probably when most of you were like three years old. Have I you ever say. seen Talladega Nights? If you ain't first, you're last. And so coming up runner-up in a contest like that, <laughs> um, you know, for, no, no Kelly Clarkson, that's for sure. No. Uh, Ruben is not hosting these debates in Nashville. He's no. He's out there... Actually, I don't think he's still out there doing anything. But Maybe. anyway. Maybe he's resting on his laurels. <laughs> so this is from Zero Hedge. California's rollout of automatic voter registration didn't go as planned. So I don't know if you knew this, Charlie, but um, they're doing this automatic voter registration in California now. So hmm. when you go to the DMV and you get a license or anything like that, um, you're put into a computer system to be automatically registered to vote. So nothing bad that can happen there, right? What if I don't want to be registered to vote? Um, You can opt out when you do it. Oh, okay. You can opt out. Gotcha. So coming from the article here, just real quick, it seemed like a good idea. Cut the bureaucracy by adding voters automatically and welcome more residents to political participation. Since April 2018, when California residents go to the Department of Motor Vehicles to register a car or get a license, they are added to the state voter rolls unless they opt out. But DMV officials later found more than 100,000 registration errors in just the first year, including some voters registered to the wrong party Hmm. and at least one non-citizen, at least one non... That's very, (laughs) very clear, very concise right there. A minimum of one non-citizen was accidentally signed up. A significant error since non-citizens are not allowed to vote. So uh, one of the guys, they're, they're actually suing the state of California, and this is someone who lost an election that's suing the state of California. But uh, he thinks Californians are worried about the program that made 105,000 voter registration errors and allowed an unknown number of non-citizens to be added to the voter rolls. At least 1,500 people who are ineligible to vote were registered in the months following the April 2018 rollout. Election officials said six of whom voted in the midterm elections. So they, I guess, they do for sure now know they are admitting to six votes that should not have happened <laughs> in California. <laughs> hey, you can win a race by six votes. Yeah, now. That's true. That's now true. Look. Now, what they don't tell you is how much money they probably paid a company like mine <laughs> yeah, to exactly to build out. Now we don't have any. We've never done any government contracts. Not saying we wouldn't, but. But they probably, I bet California probably spent about a, I would say at least $50 million on a, on a software that could, you know, aggregate and, you know, put just, this, put this together for them. Just and, knowing what you get paid and uh, with your employees in a private industry that is heavily regulated um, and then looking at what the government spent on things like the Obamacare website versus oh, man. what it could have cost to make, yeah. I would say that your your assessment is accurate, that they probably spent upwards of $50 million or to, to, co- to code this, more than likely. What was the Obama website? Like a billion? <clears throat> it was it was ridiculous. It was in the hundreds of millions for the website. And it still crashed. Yeah, yep, still didn't work. Still looks like a terrible government website, too. Yes. So uh, anyway... 
you know, we could expand out to a broader conversation on, you know, who should should be allowed to vote. You know, should is this a good idea to automatically register everyone as a voter? And and would that help in some kind of a way? I don't see how it helps. <clears throat> well, I'm not like saying it does. If you want to cast your vote, at least in the state of Tennessee and Illinois where I lived previously, like it's not hard to register. Even if you show up to the poll and you're not registered, you can register there and well, still cast a, a ballot. In some states you can. In some states there's a uh, there's a cutoff point where if you haven't registered by this date, then then you can't go and vote. And I, I think that's what they're trying to cut out. But So what they're trying to cut out is people's um, irresponsibility and procrastination when it comes to actually voting. So they're just trying to automatically do it for them. And uh, we're then seeing those the, people don't really care about the issues, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I could I could agree. But with then that. I, where's the harm in automatically registering people except for the state or somebody could, you know, use it. They could misuse it. Like, well, like, possibly these six people here. Like they said, <laughs> people getting registered. Now, this is something I thought about on here. They said that people were registered under the wrong party. So in different states, you know, you can like I think I'm a registered um I think I'm registered Republican in Tennessee, probably, because I don't even know if you can register as a Libertarian, to tell you the truth. No, you can't. Um, You'd have to register as an Independent. Okay. I could be registered Independent, actually. So you, you have to register as a as a party when you register to vote. And then, like, when you go to vote... Which is stupid in and of itself, yeah, anyway. It is. And when you go to vote, um, you have to ask for, like... Republican ballot or independent ballot for in the primary. Yeah. yeah. And so because I saw this in the in the 2018 election. And so what this can do is is hurt people who are, uh, who accidentally got put into the wrong registered under the wrong party to vote. And there is a whole other thing that this does also when they do statistical polls, statistical sampling, they do their sample rates based on the amount of registered vote voters for each political party. So they'll pick and make sure if you're going to do a thousand people, well, you've got to pick 35 Democrats and you got to pick 25 Republicans and, and you got to pick. 40 independents or, or, or whatever it's going to be. And that's based on the amount that's registered for each party. And so then they tell you these polls and they say, well, this many people support this measure, which can help sway politic, uh, public opinion on things. And so if you go through and you register people under the wrong political party, you can actually end up skewing all of the poll results that get sampled all the time. So it's a, it, it is a potential big problem as far as that's concerned. Which I mean, you know, polls can be wrong. Too. Oh yeah, well yeah, yes. yeah, they are. Yeah. They they all have a margin of error for sure. According to all the polls, Clinton was your next president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, I mean, according to polls, like fifty three percent of the country supports Medicare for all, and I looked into that poll, and it was sampled completely inaccurately. It was you know, two thousand people. They didn't even sample independents. It was only registered Republicans and Democrats, and those don't even. I mean, the biggest portion of the population are independents mm-hmm. so it's a you know it was already a messed up poll to begin with in um <clears throat> excuse me i remember in 2016 and of course like i didn't think trump or clinton either one were a viable candidate in pursuit of liberty so i i voted for someone else and because you have the ability to write people in and that's exactly what i did but secretly, I was <laughs> hoping that Trump would win just to see people's reactions. Oh, yeah. 
And I remember watching the news and specifically like CNN and the MSNBC and, and the left, obviously biased media. Um, both sides are biased, but you know, the left for sure. And the liberal media was just like, everybody was in a great mood. Hillary Clinton's going to, you know, break the glass ceiling and we're going to have a first <laughs> woman president and all this stuff. And as the votes started rolling in, I remember like CNN wouldn't actually call a state yet. Yeah. Even though everyone else had actually called the state. <laughs> Of Wisconsin, <laughs> they were or whatever waiting until like two a.m. to call states, and they, you know, they wouldn't actually. But when it actually started to flip, they were just, I mean, they were just flabbergasted. Yeah, just it was hilarious. They were to just watch. staring into the camera like we don't know what to do. Yeah, and that was kind of funny. Yeah, it was. It was. I agree. the The show, the political show, was was entertaining. That's for sure. <laughs> so uh, this next story, while we're doing the news here, is on the dangers and perils of the evil capitalism. Okay, so let's go through this headline right here. UPS drones will now deliver CVS prescriptions to your home. Man, that's just terrible. That sounds amazing. Oh, man. I freaking love capitalism, man, by the way. I don't don't know if you know this, but I love it. So let me say that again. UPS, yeah, the the, uh, the private uh, shipping company. The Brown. Has drones now, and they've partnered up with CVS to deliver medications to people's homes. So... UPS Flight Forward recently partnered with CVS Pharmacy to develop and quickly launch a last-mile delivery platform that will deliver prescription drugs to consumers. The new service is expected to roll out in several U.S. cities in the coming weeks. Flight Forward is the only company in the U.S. Okay, well, this is a funny one. I put this in here on purpose. Flight Forward is the only company in the U.S. that can operate a drone airline under FAA Part 135 that was granted to the company on September 27, 2019. Okay. That doesn't scream capitalism. That that reads, Flight Forward was granted a monopoly in the drone industry, is is what that actually says. They were granted a monopoly by the government. So it says UPS is expected to be the leader in unmanned aerial vehicle delivery across the U.S. through the early 2020s. Mega corporations have figured out that the only successful transportation method for the last mile is drones. Now, you know what's funny about this is I remember this first being released from Amazon. Yeah. Like, wasn't it Amazon's idea to basically have the Star Trek or the Star Trek? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the the giant blimp mm-hmm. that would go to a you know a specific location in a city and then you would have the the drones all fall out yeah. of it like it was birthing drones <laughs> I guess that were carrying packages. Maybe they weren't granted permission by the FAA to operate. I guess, I guess. they weren't. I guess yeah. UPS UPS probably saw that video and they're like, oh, well, we have the money to do that. Let's make sure the first thing we're going to do is go to the FF, FAA and make sure that we are the only ones that can get the license Yep. so where we can secure <laughs> all of the market share before Amazon gets their mitts on it. But all of that aside, this is still amazing. I mean, this is still a, a private company that has come up with a way to deliver people's medication. Now, when I hear this, I think like you know, senior yeah, this, citizens. This, well, by the way, this isn't the USPS. No, this no. This is UPS, yeah. the brown truck. So I was thinking about senior citizens that maybe can't get out to go get their medications, things like that. People who live in poor areas, maybe don't have a car. Um, drug dealers. <clears throat> drug dealers who don't want to be seen in public <laughs> by cameras or anything like that. People who want to steal medications that don't want to knock over uh, pharmacies. Right. You know, all kinds of stuff like that. But um, no, but this it's amazing that 
that today, you know, a company can have drones that are going to be delivering things to your house. And, and like you said earlier, when I told you this news story, like, you know, people seem to assume that this kind of stuff would still just exist if we didn't have capitalism. And it, it just simply isn't the case. If you didn't have the profit motive, if you did not have the profit motive in this industry, would UPS be putting all of this money into this technology and investing into this as a way to deliver medications if they weren't thinking they were going to turn a quick buck off of it? Probably not even quick bucks. Probably going to take a while for them to be able to make money off of it. So, you know, it's one of the amazing things that I think people forget about that these things don't just happen naturally over time. They only happen if people make them happen. And people are more incentivized to make things like this happen when they're trying to turn a profit. And everyone is going to benefit as a result of this. Right. And so I did come up when you were talking to the Bernie supporters. I came up at the end. And one of the things uh, that one of the ladies said was F Bezos. Yeah. You know? And so I got to thinking about that. And I was like, when you told me this story, I was thinking, man, how creative is it that Amazon is, is you know, creating competition with themselves by releasing their ideas in the forms of video and things like that. And that they're the fact that they're releasing those ideas, you have other companies that are willing to invest in the production of having drone flight and drone delivery and which makes it better for everyone else. And so it's like, we have this idea that I think is, uh, you know, perpetrated by Bernie and AOC and, and the democratic socialists, let's say, where you have, you know, millionaire Bernie Sanders now saying that billionaires are bad. Which he used to say millionaires and billionaires. Yeah, he said millionaires and billionaires, but now it's just the billionaires because no one, and we heard, you know, the Kyle Kalinske and, and uh, Charlie Kirk debate, you know, we heard Kyle Kalinske say the same thing, like, no one deserves to have a billion dollars. Yeah. You know, like, you could have $999 million, you still have a lot of money. He did say that, by he the way. He did and, say and, that. And I, like, wanted to, I wanted to ask him, like, okay, so you're you're telling me that... Nine hundred ninety-nine billion or nine hundred ninety-nine million nine hundred ninety-nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine dollars, and you're a perfectly moral, good person. You haven't done anything to hurt society whatsoever. That's that's okay. But if you earn that extra yeah. dollar, you get a couple. You get a couple more dollars, and you are a detriment to Earth, and you need to be reduced immediately. Yeah, and and I don't understand that concept. It's like, how did? How did Jeff Bezos or Bezos, I heard Bezos a lot this week. So I hear it I, both ways. Whatever. How did Jeff Bezos actually build his wealth? Like, how did that actually happen? Well, he created a amazing service and a highly competitive market that a lot of people enjoy. And how many Bernie Sanders supporters do you think use Amazon on a regular basis? Probably quite a few of them. They probably also read the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos. I know. Also, they were uh, bankrupt until Jeff Bezos bought them and kept them going. So, so, so how, often, how often do socialists use capitalism to complain about capitalism? Every day. That's, Every single yeah, day. It's all of just them, unbelievable. All of them the whole weekend. And this is capitalism. where we run into a problem with these democratic socialists is that it, it's no longer about actually helping poor people. It's just hatred for the rich. Yeah. And that's all it is. And it, you're always going to hate people that have more than more than you. And this is one of the oldest sins of time, let's say. It's envy. Envy of your neighbor. You can sit there and you can whine and bitch and moan about how everyone's got more than you, or you can take the personal responsibility for yourself and decide to do something about it. And it's like, it's not, 
it's not the old, you know, pick yourself up by the bootstraps type of thing, but it's this principle of if you're envious, then you become resentful and that's no way to live because that leads to violence. Whereas if you, if you look inward to yourself and ask yourself, what can you improve about your life? Who cares what anyone else does? Yeah. You know, Jordan Peterson has a rule that, uh, treat yourself as if you were someone that you care about. Yeah. So if you looked inside and said, I care about myself, I want what's best for me and start to improve on yourself versus comparing, or he also says, compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. No one sees the, you know, we we're up to almost 10,000 followers on Facebook. When you created this Facebook page, Nate, for good morning, Liberty, how many followers did we have? Zero. Zero. That's right. Yeah. How many do you think Kim Kardashian had? Uh, she probably had like 20 million at that point in time. No, when she started? Oh, when she started? Yeah. I'm sorry. I thought you meant on the day that I started Good Morning Liberty. Yeah. She probably had zero, I would say. I Inst- think. You know, Insta- uh, Jennifer Aniston broke the Inst- like broke Instagram when she <laughs> created one. She was, a f- she was the first person, she was the fastest Instagram account to get to a million followers. This happened like two weeks ago. And she, within five hours, she had over a million followers. <laughs> but when she created that Instagram account, let me tell you something. At the very beginning, she had zero. Yeah. And one thing, you know, I was talking to one of the Bernie supporters and he was talking about the wealth that Jeff Bezos has. And we're talking about, uh, you know, how terrible it is that some people have all this money and some people don't. And what I did remind him was something else we've talked about before is that about 90 percent of Jeff Bezos's wealth is his ownership of Amazon. And he hadn't I could tell he hadn't really thought about that before. He was thinking about it as if. Jeff Bezos has 120 billion dollars, which like he, on, on pallets and yeah, storage units, <laughs> like like which he which he doesn't. He's got prob. I mean, he's got a lot of money. Obviously, he's probably got 20 billion dollars. Whatever. Well, he probably has a you know what is it the black card? It doesn't yeah, have a limit. He's got a real solid credit card for sure, right, yeah, right. for sure. Um, you know, so all of his wealth comes from his ownership of Amazon, and and he understood that. And but then I also took it one step further. I mean, all of the wealth that is inside of Amazon, the the value of Amazon, it's not really even Jeff Bezos's money anyway. Those are people that have put their money into the business and invested in it and have decided that they think that Amazon is worth a trillion dollars, so they'll invest this amount per share. And so all that money that makes up his wealth it's really just a bunch of people, other people, who have freely put their money into the company. Mm-hmm. And if all those people decide to pull their money away from the company, he's not going to have anything at all. He he could sell his shares too, but they're going to be shooting straight down to the bottom while he's doing it. So it's it's not as if he could just cash in all of his shares tomorrow and have the money. That's That's some stock market stuff we could go into some other time. But he doesn't really have that money on him in the first place. It's all other people who have decided that he's worth that much money. That'd be a fat so wallet, though. When you, you yeah, walk around with that it's, thing, it's quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when he's, he might get that converted into like Venezuelan, uh, you know, Bolivares or something yeah. like that. And I think yeah. you could probably build like a whole, like a whole house just made out of bills. Probably it would probably fill up like maybe a tenth of the NSA data collection center. <laughs> well, we'll look. I'll see what the conversion rate is. Okay. We'll get on that. All right, good. So anyway, when you're talking about taxing away his wealth, like that's other people's money that have invested in his company that you're actually talking about taxing away at that point in time. Not even not even his, 
really. So we just got to make sure we're talking about the right stuff. The other thing, and I, I wanted to skip over one of our other news stories since we're, you know, we're already over 40 minutes right now and we got oh. plenty to talk about. So we still got to talk about Clay Aiken. At a, at, at a Politicon, Clay Aiken was moderating some of the uh, debates. He moderated this debate between um, Michael Knowles, who's part of the Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's thing. Uh, Michael Knowles and uh, what was the guy's name? Something. Chris Chris Hahn. Hahn? Yeah, Chris yeah. Hahn, who was Chris like a Democratic Hahn. Party uh, analyst or whatever for, for Fox News. Yeah, he's a liberal on Fox News, and he runs a podcast called The Aggressive Progressive, which is a cool name, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that's a good name. That's a great it's, name. It's a way too much typing, though. It's I'll like El, El Diablo. <laughs> You know? It's like that's a great name. Spanish for like a fighting chicken. Yes. Okay. Good. Um, well, he was moderating this debate, and Clay Aiken who was obviously biased against Michael Knowles, who was trying to represent like the Republican side of the argument, and he really started to lose his cool. And it and it whatever respect I had stored up for Clay Aiken, if if any, was immediately <laughs> dissipated. I don't know if somewhere in the back of my brain there was this uh, you, respect folder and Clay Aiken had a portion of it. I, I don't know. Do you have a, a, a respect depository? <laughs> I do. I think naturally you uh, storage some respect points for people. I'm like, yeah, Clay Aiken, yeah, he got second place in the, and is still you know, been able to remain more famous than than the guy that beat him on American Idol has. He's, so, yeah, well, he you would think he's got some credibility because yeah. he has some name recognition. But after seeing him in this, I mean, he he it was so immature of him, and it was Can so I, like beneath everyone for him to do what he did. Our intern, uh, I'd like to read what our intern put on these podcast notes. <laughs> Clay Aiken. What an ass. <laughs> those, are, <laughs> those were my notes, so I knew what to talk about. <laughs> oh, your notes. Sorry, not the yeah. intern. Uh, yeah. The yeah. intern's oh. working on other stuff. <laughs> so but, I pulled together these clips. And by ass, we mean donkey. Yes. So that's that's the biblical yes. term. Um, it's legally not cursing to say to no, say ass. Not at all. You can we do don't it have on, to put explicit, yeah. explicit on this at all. But I did have to bleep out some of Clay Aiken's cursing on this video because he's very play. unchristian. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> Let me ask it this way. Let me ask it this way. Are people who are marching and shouting "Jews will not replace us"? Are they good people? I know, yes or no? I mean, yes or yes or no? Question. Yes or no? No, it's a yes or no question. Are people? Are people? You can do this. You know the reason. No. Yes or no? Are people who are marching shouting Jews will not replace yeah, Nazis us? Are are bad. Good we people. agree. Nazis are bad. Okay. Can you say yes or no to this? Are you capable of that? Yeah. Hey, Clay, Can hey, you Clay. say yes Can or no? Let me ask you a question, Clay. I don't need to answer a question because I'm not on the stage. Clay, it's a Can you ask, answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Lots of booze. You just asked me if Nazis are bad, and I told no, you I Nazis are bad. No, I did not ask you if Nazis were bad. Of course you did. I asked you question. to say yes or no. Yes or no. And I understand that that's a like big word. Really bad. Yeah, are people, really bad. Are people marching saying Jews will not replace us? Good people. Yes they're, or no? They're bad people, Clay. People who are Nazis are bad okay, people, Clay. That's not what I asked you. I, I've answered this five times. No, you haven't. You've I, chosen to answer it the way you, you want to answer it. You're back in the tape later. You're rewording. You're rewording. Play. What you're doing right now is exactly what the mainstream media did to Trump and Donaldson. I gave a perfectly clear answer, and then you tried to pretend that I didn't. I feel so bad for you. I feel so badly for you. It's very easy to play a victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Hold on, hold on. Hey, hey, guys. 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 H
You can do all you want to. I don't give a shit. Okay, listen. Just here's a yes or no question for you. Does President Trump lie? I think every human being lies. I asked a yes or no question. Does President Trump lie? Yes or no? He lies as much as everyone else lies. Yes. It is amazing. Can I ask you a yes or no question? Does President Trump lie? January. Play Aiken, man. He's like a national treasure. I get you all the time. I'm not worried about it. Okay, so <laughs> that was actually pretty funny at the end there. I yeah. I wanted to say a couple things about that is that look, as a moderator, you're not supposed to be debating the people that are on the stage. No, no. Now to Clay Aiken's credit, let's say, um, Michael Knowles technically didn't answer the question with a yes or no. Yeah. yeah. So that is true. However, he answered the question in the way that he wanted to answer the question. And as a moderator during the debate, that's what you do. You ask a question, you let the person give their debate answer, and then the audience decides how they want to interpret that. That's how a debate works. And there is an issue, you know, when you ask a ridiculous question. Right. You know, that it is. you can take a principled stance and say, I'm not going to give you an answer to a ridiculous question. Right. Like, the, like, that's an obvious question. And honestly, you know, people like us, I don't know anything about Michael Knowles, but people like us, I can speak for myself. When someone tries to get me to say something, I will explicitly not say it right. at all. Especially but, like a yeah. gotcha question yeah, like that. N- not at all. I would I would also refuse the same way. You think Clay Aiken would have done the same thing if he was moderating, you know, Elizabeth Warren and she she refused to say that she was going to raise taxes? You think that uh, right. you think he would have done the exact same no, thing? No, no. I answered yes or no. Yes yeah, or no. Yes yeah, or no. Are you gonna I've raise got taxes. the good microphone. Yes or no. You're going to raise taxes. You're going to raise. It's a yes or no question. I know those are big words for you, but it's a yes or no question. That's, <laughs> he said that in right. there too. So, like, obviously, very biased. And, and the crowd, <clears throat> you could tell by the crowd response, lots yeah. of booze. Yeah, and it was like that throughout the entire. It was a 50 minute long debate, so yeah. it was stuff like that for the whole time. But um, the big thing I picked up from that. What I w- wish I could go up to Clay Aiken and say, which I guess I should have gotten in line and, and said something like some of the other people did, um, when you're when you're right, like when you know when you're actually right and you're on the winning side of an argument and on the winning side of a debate, you don't have to get really upset and emotional and angry, everything like that. That's mm-hmm. that's one thing that I think people can take from us because we're always right, you know. So it's a <laughs> It's, um, it's, you know, you don't, you know, the people, the Bernie supporters who came up to our table and like, they were upset and they were like, attack, 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 and not letting me finish my sentences. And I just stood there like very calmly and just responded her, with all of my answers and, and all of that. And her face turned red. Oh yeah. I mean, she was fuming. She had to get a thing and start fanning off her face and everything. She was, she was so upset um, that these are the people that were at our table. So. It's just that lady was mad, and we saw the same thing with uh, Charlie Kirk and that Kyle Kalinske guy. I mean, I yeah. thought I thought Kyle Kalinske was going to start crying on stage. He was so upset, like screaming into the microphone about things. In fact, it peaked a couple times. You it couldn't did. even understand what he was saying. It was just like clipping and distorting because he yeah. was screaming into the microphone like someone who had never used the microphone in their entire lives. And although it, I think he's on a microphone all the time, I think yeah, he is. That's how emotionally upset it he honest, was because he couldn't even make that decision properly in that moment. Honestly, put Alex Jones to shame. Yeah, <laughs> like it made Alex Jones seem very reasonable. Yeah, and you should, especially when you're moderating, 
like Clay was here, you've got to be mature enough to keep your own emotions out of the situation. Like the, there's no room for the moderator to try and debate the people who are on the debate stage. They're supposed to ask a question and then they give their answers and you can push them once again and say, well, that's not exactly the question I asked. Like, do you want to actually answer it? And if they refuse to, you know, typically we'll go, or maybe the person who they're debating will say something about it. Yeah. But something like that. I but like how Michael Knowles <clears throat> said, it, it takes two liberals and one conservative to make it a fair fight. Yeah. <laughs> that was really yeah, funny. Yeah, it was good. So, I don't know. That really bothered me, and it really it was just kind of the, and we like I said, we saw the same from Kyle Kalinske. It's just like the epitome of that ideology where there's just so much emotion wrapped up in it that you forget to, you know... I don't know, calm down and like act like a normal person and have a conversation with someone and actually talk about ideas. And, and there was obviously just none of that going on in Charlie, that moment. Charlie Kirk even asked Kyle Kalinske, he's like, are you mad, bro? Yeah, yeah. right <laughs> after like, he finished screaming. He's like, GD, yeah. I am mad. Yeah. Like, if you think people should have a billion dollars, and yeah, I'm mad about it. Like, <laughs> what, what, like what kind of child are you? Um, I just don't understand that envious childlike attitude well like even when it isn't fair i mean i'm upset with i'm upset if i was on a stage with bernie sanders or even kyle kalinsky like i'm strongly very strongly opposed to all of his ideological views that there are especially when it comes to billionaires you know Mm -hmm. i was going to say earlier when i see a billionaire like when i think of jeff bezos and elon musk and bill gates and all these guys i get inspired by that i'm like wow look at what i could do if i just try so hard and do the right thing it's amazing that there's a possibility that people can do this here that they can actually come up and and create this much value and have this much wealth that's amazing and then there's other people who look at it and they just get upset and envious and they think that they're never going to have that and and then you end up never working towards having that and that can become or you can make a living talking terribly about people who have that i guess Um, like you know i always tell people too like what if your goal is to make you know a million dollars a year yeah and you you somehow you get stuck at making five hundred thousand dollars a year i mean is that better than where you're at right now sounds better right yeah my goal is if, to if you're only if you're making less than five hundred thousand dollars a year, then yeah, that's a that's a you know you're better than where you were. Yeah, we have written on our whiteboard downstairs that uh, Paradexo, which is the software uh, side of this company, mm-hmm. uh, is going to be what um, what's that goal down there? It says ten million dollar company. Ten million dollar company. Yeah, and is that a yearly goal or five year goal or what, what was that? I that's can't remember. The five year goal. Okay. Yeah, and you know what? If in five years it's only worth six or seven million, something like that. Honestly, I'll be a little disappointed at that point, but that's still better than... Well, you get disappointed when you don't hear, hit your goals, but the, the thing about it is is you you reach beyond what you think that you're capable of because as you, as time goes on, you become more and more capable. Yeah. Like right know? now, maybe it's not possible for us to be a $10 million company, but as we get closer and closer to that goal, the Matthew principle will take effect and you will be able to actually obtain that goal Snowball at some point that. in time. Yeah. Well, and you learn things along the way. Like, look, I'm... You know, I'm getting ready to do my first pitch for a, just basically almost a million dollar deal, and I've never done one before, right? And I was I'm nervous. I was talking to people about it, like I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but here's the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is I actually learn how to do it. Yeah. yeah. So the, the the like being a fool 
as as Jordan Peterson would say, and this comes from an old old idea. It's not his idea, but it's a fool is the precursor to the savior because what happens is is you learn along the way, and then you grow each time, and eventually over time, when you set that goal that's out of reach right now, which for Paradexo, let's say it's ten million dollars a a year. Um, to be a, a company valued at $10 million, even though that might be out of reach today, it's not out of reach five years from now, because as time goes on, you grow and you learn and you do things. Yeah. Which, by the way, I'm pretty confident we're going to get this deal. Yeah, I'm going to go down I'm there. saying it right now. We're going to call this deal. This, this I'm manifesting it. Close to a million dollar deal. We will let you guys know when we hit it. Yep. So, And you guys can start hating us at that point if you want to. Exactly. Yeah. And well, you, not, well, we're not billionaires yet, oh, actually. Oh, true. So, That's yeah. right. A million dollars is fine. We're trying to get on Bernie's level, the, yeah. million, the millionaire <laughs> level. <laughs> Our goal is to somehow be making as much money but, as Bernie Sanders. But, but, but <laughs> that's not even us, though. That's just yeah. the company. <laughs> true. True. That's divided amongst all the workers. We're still really successful, though. God. <laughs> um, so I wanted to give uh, credit to Bernie Sanders on something before we tear one of his ideas apart afterwards. So. Um, the <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah. Sorry. So we want to remain principled and and not just hate everything that Bernie Sanders throws out there. If he does throw something out there that we agree with, I think it's important for us to also pinpoint that he has done something that we agree with, mm-hmm. like he did when uh, he announced his getting. He wanted to get rid of cash bail, and I did a twenty minute long video on how that was a really great idea because when you get arrested and you have to post bail. What ends up happening is people who are rich can post bail, and people who are poor have to sit in jail until they are, you know, get to go to trial or whatever happens. So, mm-hmm. so I, I think that that is a, I think that that is a worthwhile goal. So anyway, this headline is uh, "Whoa," says Edward Snowden as Sanders vows to end prosecution of whistleblowers under Espionage Act. So this is from Salon. So obviously, it leans very, very heavily. Uh, communist. But anyway, we'll talk about what they said about Bernie Sanders. So he said, uh, BS vowed if elected president in 2020 to break with both the Trump and Obama administrations by refusing to use the repressive century old espionage act to prosecute whistleblowers, a stance that was applauded by press freedom advocates and former NSA contractor Edward Snowden. So I didn't really put any more notes from the article there because on, uh, you know, I also want to make the point that he does bring up the Ukraine whistleblower in this. And this is probably what has actually made him come out with this plan is the fact that we have these whistleblowers on the whole Ukraine scandal. But honestly, who cares? I mean, yeah, it's still you, good. You know, it doesn't matter what sparked it, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't. Know. IMO, which stands for my, in my opinion. It yeah. took me a long time to figure that out on social media. That by the took way. a lot longer than just saying in my own, in my opinion. Well, I'm like, what way. is emo? <laughs> like with an I. Yeah. Uh, anyway, what I was trying to say is, <laughs> in my opinion, I'm glad we saved time there. <laughs> in my opinion, it actually doesn't matter what triggered this. It's the fact that we do have a hundred year old bill. It's actually, what was it? 1907 was the espionage uh, Something act? like that. Yeah. It's actually, so it's, you know, going on a hundred and, uh, you know, 12 years. But anyway, we have a, a bill that's over a hundred years old that has been used to, uh, criminalize people who expose criminal activity by the government. Yeah. So that's not a good thing at all. 
and it was the it was the same bill that was used or the same law that was used to put place Japanese in, internment camps and those types of things that uh, they did during World War II. So it's not a good thing to for your rights for your rights that are inherent to your nature for government to be able to violate them and you have no recourse whatsoever because your recourse is to go through government channels which ultimately shut you up. Yeah, uh, which is what's happened several times. And the reason why guys like Edward Snowden and Thomas Drake and and things like that went to the press, let's say, to get this information out was because the government was never going to expose itself to criminal activity. Yeah, it's like a, st- making a rule that if something terrible is going on at Apple and you work at Apple, that if you don't go through the CEO of Apple and let him know what's going on and let him break the information and let him decide what he's going to tell everyone then you need to be put in prison. Yeah. And everyone would agree that that is a ridiculous rule. You're going to have to go outside of Apple's power structure to actually get someone to expose this information and get something done with it. And that's the same thing when it pertains to the government. You can't expect the government to tell on itself with the American people and put themselves potentially in prison for breaking the Constitution and all of these uh, all of these other things. And you can't expect them to do that. And also props to Salon for mentioning that Obama did also put eight people in prison using the Espionage Act while he was president. Mm-hmm. And Trump thus far has put five people in prison using the Espionage Act. That's... Or has uh, charged five people. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in essence, you're asking if you'd go through, quote unquote, the proper channels, you're asking the snake to eat its tail. Yeah, it's not going to happen. That's, that would never happen. Well, um, that does technically happen in the animal kingdom, but not not really in Snakes government. eat their own tails. They do. Yeah. Like when they're done, they just say, F it. I'm going out with a bang. Really? They do. Yeah. I did not know look, that. Look it up, man. It's it's science. Look what you can learn on on the Good Morning Liberty <laughs> podcast. You can learn wow. that I'm about 90% sure that snakes eat their own tail. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> look it up. Look at no, you look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um yeah, I I think that we would be hypocritical if we don't point out the times that Bernie Sanders does something that we agree with. And in this case, we do agree with this because we are obviously uh, in agreement with what Edward Snowden did. I don't think there was any better way to do it, honestly, when he found out what they were doing. I don't know that there was any better way for him to do that. That's why we have free Snowden shirts on our merch store. If you guys can go to gmlconnect.com and go to yeah. our merch store. So you can check those out, or free, get one that says free Snowden. I'm going to make a free Assange shirt soon also. Um but anyway, we wanted to talk about that. Now let's talk about something that is really dumb that Bernie Sanders is talking about. <laughs> so this is where Bernie, li- Bernie lies. Yeah, you can go to BernieLies.com and get the rest of this information. But uh, So this came from Fee.org, which big shout out to Fee.org for making all of their articles public and repostable, republishable by anyone. Because we do post some of their articles sometimes on our website, and they have a great team of writers over there, some really smart people. So, fee.org, which is the Foundation for Economic Education.org, has got uh, this article out talking about Bernie Sanders' universal jobs guarantees. So, during one of the uh, one of the Democratic debates, Bernie Sanders said that he was going to uh, provide a universal jobs guarantee to everyone. Anyone who wanted a job would have one, regardless of whether or not it was supplied by the market. If it wasn't, then it would be supplied by the government. 
in some kind of way. It's going to be good paying jobs, like living wage jobs. I'm sure they. I'm sure they'll pay them twenty bucks an hour and give them ten hours a week, probably. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Is it the same job as like being like on his campaign? Probably. Yeah. Probably something like that. Um, so the uh, so fee goes on to say. Presidential candidate Bernie Sanders doubled down when asked about his universal jobs guarantee included in last Tuesday night's Democratic debates. Damn right we will. That's a quote from Bernie Sanders. Mom, create jobs for every adult in the workforce, he insisted. But Sanders' promise of jobs for all, however appealing it may sound, aims at the wrong target. So we have to have a a, a discussion about what it means to have a job, because when you first hear Bernie talking about this jobs guarantee, well, I mean, what's bad about that? If everyone's got a job, then your society is more productive and you're creating more things, right? And, and, and you know, what could be wrong with that? If you're going to spend federal money on anything, it should be that, right? Right. So we What could possibly go what wrong? What could possibly go wrong? Um, How it, could you ever argue against something like that? You obviously, Nate? you hate poor people and you also hate productivity at yeah, that point in you time. You hate jobs, clearly. Yeah. I don't know why you have one. So um, Fee went on to say in this article, and I, I remember this story from hearing Milton Friedman tell it, but it says economist Milton Friedman was once traveling overseas and spotted a construction site in which the workers were using shovels instead of more modern equipment like bulldozers. When his host responded that the goal was to increase the number of jobs in the construction industry, Friedman replied, then instead of shovels, why don't you give them spoons and create even more jobs? <laughs> so that's like when your goal is more jobs, just the number of jobs. So, you know, Friedman was making a really good point. If you're building the road, well, you can use bulldozers and track hoes and all the great equipment that we have right now that's probably been held back by the fact that the government pays for the roads, but uh, we we have all those great things to make our roads. And then when he went to what I believe was Japan in this story, they were using shovels and they weren't using the equipment that had existed for 50 years at that time. And when he asked them why they weren't using that equipment, he said, well, because this is a jobs program. We don't want to use that big equipment. We're right. trying to create jobs for people. So we're using shovels. And probably because they care about their carbon footprint. Yeah, pro that was actually <laughs> the, main, the main point, I bet. Um, so obviously, Friedman responded with, why not just have them use spoons instead of shovels? You'd have way more jobs if they use spoons. So... And it would take them longer, so they would keep their job exactly. for longer. So that's where you have to make the you have to differentiate between uh, what a job is. Like, is it just the sheer number of jobs and the fact that people are out there working that that is the solution that you're trying to uh, to come up with, or is it that you want your society to be as productive as it possibly can and to enhance that product productivity wherever you can? You know, because if we wanted to. We could get rid of cars and combines and tractors and planters and and uh, computers and all kinds of stuff, and everyone in the entire country would have a job at and that if, point in time. If you follow this jobs program principle all the way to its core, you get rid of everything to where we basically go back to the beginning of time where we don't have anything productive whatsoever. Yeah. And everyone is farming or, you know, picking nuts and berries and whatever. And then, and then everyone has a job. Yeah. A job is just survival. Yeah. And, and you I, have to, you have to follow it all the way down. You have to keep breaking down 
you know, you go from, you know, backhoes and, and bulldozers to shovels and shovels to spoons and spoons to hands. You know, the more jobs you want to create, right, if you're going to follow this principle, you just keep going all the way down to where yeah. basically we don't have any modern inventions whatsoever to become to be more efficient and productive. You go back to, you know, caveman days. You just live in trees and eat bananas. <laughs> and now if you're like a Bernie supporter listening, you're like, well, no one's saying that we should get rid of technology and all that. And that's not what's going to happen. They're going to create more jobs in this industry and that industry. And that's. You know that you have to first make this distinction because where do you draw that line? You know what is a job? Yeah, what, I mean that's that's a good question. That's what the important is a question. job. So, in my opinion, this stance from Bernie Sanders is just a it's a complete misunderstanding of what a job actually is, and I think a lot of people have that misunderstanding. Jo- they think of a job as like everyone's supposed to go somewhere and work somewhere and that you're just because you're supposed to do that and so you can earn a living and and that's what a job is and that's not really what a what a job actually is a job is you providing value in your society and people exchanging their money in exchange for that value that you're providing them so when so when a company has a job opening right and they're looking to hire people why you have to ask the question why are they looking to hire people is it just because that job's always existed and somebody quit and now they got to fill a role no jobs exist whenever you start a company jobs start to exist because you start to expand beyond your own capabilities yeah and so sorry go ahead no i was just going to say like so for instance as you as you start to grow and take on more responsibility you get to a point where that responsibility requires more than what you're capable of and it may even require different types of skill sets and everything depending on how big you want to scale to so when a manager decides to open up a job let's say at mcdonald's to be a cashier it's because looking at the data they've decided that if they were to have another cashier that they could pay because labor is, is a commodity. You have to pay for that labor. Then they could ultimately have more sales. And in the long run, it works out as more value for the company than the value that, than the value that they're paying you. And so they're willing to trade you in the short term, your salary or your hourly pay for the longevity and the expansion and the value of the, a company as a whole and you'd have to ask yourself um let, let's just play out a scenario let's say mcdonald's has cut it down to one cashier and a, a one cook and one drive through person and, and that's and what one robot yeah and one robot and that's all they've got <laughs> and let's just say that they're you know that's still keeping them close on their profit margins and and that's how it's all worked out well you create this federal jobs program and what this does is you send a bunch of people to McDonald's and there to work, and you pay their salary off of federal money from the, from the government. And so now those people are working at McDonald's, and and of course they're going to be working there, and they're going to be pr- producing something, right? So that must be a good idea. But the problem is, you have to ask yourself, where did the money come from that they're using to provide that federal job? And the actual answer is the money that, that's coming to provide that had to be pulled 
from the productive side of the economy, from people who were already going to use that money in some kind of productive way, in a way where they could have produced something that people would have freely deemed valuable, more you know valuable enough to give their money for after they produced it. And instead, you've taken it from that side of the economy, and you've put it into things in different, say, manufacturing jobs or fast food jobs or whatever, whatever they are, in jobs that aren't there anymore because people aren't deeming them valuable. They're not a value to that production anymore. And you're not even mentioning the administrative costs yeah. that the government takes out of those dollars to ad- to administer well, the money from one location to the other. Well, then they're going to tax the money that, that they're paying right. from it, too. Right. They take administrative <laughs> costs and they tax it. Yeah. And you're going to pay sales tax on it, too. And you're going to do all kinds of other so, stuff. So. so every single yeah. <laughs> dollar that they take to move from one industry, let's say, to another, they only move about 40 cents of that entire dollar. Because 60 cents gets eaten up in taxes and administrative costs. Just so you know, we can talk about this in this whole jobs guarantee idea right now, but this actually applies to all of the money that the government decides to put into any industry anywhere. They are always taking the money. Anything that the government ever spends, they took from someone before they could spend that money. And they took it from someone who was being productive, who was providing some type of value, and then they put it into something where there was no free value being provided whatsoever and in, in something that the market maybe did not deem valuable. No, I'm not talking trash about teachers and policemen and roads and stuff like that. I'm talking about all the other government jobs. And I'm talking about all the money that the government puts into other industries, like all of the clean energy and all, all kinds of government subsidies all over the place. They take that. Foreign aid. The yeah, foreign aid. <laughs> uh, uh, most of the government budget, actually, is what I'm talking about. Right. But they take that money from productive people and they put it into a section of the economy that is not producing value. You know how you know it's not producing value? Um, Because the money wasn't there for that to be there. If it was valuable, then people would have put their money into it freely, actually, instead of being forced to. So that that's how you can know that it's not deemed as valuable as you're paying for it. It's not as valuable as the iPhone because people are freely going and they're buying the iPhones. And instead you take a thousand dollars and put it in something else that people are not wanting to freely pay their money for. So it's not good for the productive side of the economy. What would you say to, to people who would say things like, well, you know, the corporations are just manipulating you to buy their iPhone versus something else that you would think is valuable, but you're being manipulated by. You know, advertising. Well, I have heard. I have heard I've about heard that. that. Oh, you! I heard you talking about yes. some. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I don't feel as though I've been manipulated to buy an iPhone. I feel like those are pretty, um, pretty useful these days. Uh, first off, if my iPhone costs a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars, I'm getting a ridiculous return on the investment from that iPhone. Something that you use hours and hours and hours every single day and you can run an entire business off of if you want to so even the 1200 bucks you pay for your or the 30 dollars a month you pay to verizon for your iphone um you're obviously getting more benefit from that and in my opinion an insane amount of benefit more from that phone than you're paying for it and if you thought about how much you pay for netflix or how much you pay for any other subscription plan uh compare your 30 dollars a month to that phone and see which one of those you think is actually the most important every single day which one nets you a greater benefit 
it. Yeah, and I heard the guy talking about what was he talking about, like Coca Cola or something like that. You know, advertising and getting you to yeah buy their product. And what I would want to know is what's the alternative that he thinks is better in that situation, because those products, since we all freely go and purchase them, I mean, we we deem them as valuable every single day. There's only I mean, one way they got their advertising dollars to spend. <laughs> yeah, they only got the ad money because people were buying their products right. already. Like that's where, or they or they borrowed it from a bank, maybe. But yeah, the the whole advertising manipulation thing, and we we talked about advertising a little bit last week. But advertising doesn't cost you money. There's like this misconception that because Coca Cola is spending a hundred million dollars on advertising this year, that that means that they're cans of coca-cola are just that much more expensive it's not actually the case because the more of something you sell the cheaper per unit cost you get on things so there's a price break on that you know like we can buy our t-shirts at ten dollars a shirt right now and we can sell so many of them and if we run ads and we sell ten thousand shirts then we can get a price break down to like four dollars a shirt if we can and we can make our shirts way cheaper than what they are right now so with no advertisements, our shirts are actually more expensive to everyone that buys them than if we were running advertisements. And that happens all throughout all industries. Of course, there's a point where you can waste money on advertising and you don't get a return on the investment and you don't make things more expensive. But I don't think that's always the case. I think a lot of them have figured that out. Right. But was that the uh, well, fascist even, guy that was asking yeah. you about that stuff? Yeah. Well, they've even, they've even named what you're talking about. It's called a price break. You yeah. Know? It's, it's a breaking point. In, in the amount of supply uh, that you're purchasing, and right? And you know what drives me nuts is people even have a problem with that. Like, Walmart can get things at a lower per unit cost than, say, the dollar store can or your local store can. And maybe when you first think about that, you're like, oh, that's so unfair, but they should be charging the same price to everyone. You know, that this doesn't make any sense. In fact, Morton Salt was sued by the government in an antitrust case like 100 years ago because they were providing price breaks to people who bought bigger quantities of their salt. Yeah. That, by the way, all of the antitrust cases have been against people who were providing cheaper products to people. Um, but anyway, they were providing price breaks. And when you think about it, when someone's ordering a bigger quantity of items, well, you got to send a truck full of your items to their store or to a production facility or something like that. Well, the truck has the same expense back and forth. It's got the gas and the driver back and forth. Now, if you've got one can of salt in the truck and it goes to a store, and then you've got one truck that has 15 pallets full of salt... Do you think those two are going to have different per unit cost for those pan- for those cans of salt? And you're just talking just transit. Yeah, that's just you know? the transit. There's all kind. Of, there's the trucks that brought everything to the facilities that made the product before right. that. You know, so not only like if you if you produce a product that costs a dollar for you to produce at a certain level of production, right? And it's not so transit cost is one of them. But if somebody buys a thousand of those, then you have then you're doing a thousand dollars worth of business. If somebody buys a million of those, but they want them at eighty cents a piece instead of a dollar, well, you still just did an eight hundred thousand dollar deal. Yeah. Versus selling a thousand things at a thousand at one dollar yeah. per unit. Yeah. So well, you're able to scale back your margin for the fact that you're still getting 
that income in on that price break. And that's like the Laffer curve where you can reduce exactly. you can reduce taxes and take in more money as we have with corporations. By the way, Kyle Kalinsky, if you're listening, I'm sure you are because you're a big fan of BernieLies.com. Um, <laughs> there's a such thing as a Laffer curve, and we are taking in the most amount of money from corporate taxes that we've ever taken in. Ever. Uh, since we reduced the rate. The federal government is at a all-time high of tax receipts right now, and you can do that even by lowering taxes. Now, we have a massive deficit because our spending is increasing more then the uh, rates of uh, tax receipts are increased. What was that over there? Oh, okay. It's me. I thought there was a ghost in here or something like that. It's a uh, sticker. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that scared me. Sorry. Pulled me off my game. What's, <laughs> it, what's that say? It's a warning. <laughs> Good. Yeah. <laughs> they put it under the chair. It's, so. <laughs> it's a warning. Uh, just like there's all sorts of warnings out there in, in, the, in the world. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, all right. I feel I feel pretty good on this one. How are you feeling? Do you want to know what this warning is? Oh, I do. Yeah, it's actually more of an information. Okay, but it does say this article contains new material only. Oh, okay, which I'm glad for this chair that it's new. How are they able to create out of thin air just new materials that never existed before? I don't know, but this came from China. <laughs> oh my China! Oh my God! This is from Global Furniture in. Zhejiang, Zhejiang. Oh, we got to get that tariff chair out of here. Yeah, I know. Get it out. I think I bought this before the tariffs, though, which is good That's, for me. Got it on discount. That's a good and thing. And I got it from Amazon, which oh. is good for me. <laughs> so before the left destroys Amazon, <laughs> I bought my chair. Order at all the pro- all your, order all your products you need. Yep. <laughs> right now, you know, uh, Amazon does two day shipping too. Now they do. Thanks They're, to I mean, I'm sorry, Walmart. They thanks do. to Amazon. Thanks to Amazon, all kinds of other stores are doing two day shipping, free shipping. That wasn't really that much of a thing before Amazon. Yeah. Sure, people might give you a here's free shipping weekend on stuff. But once Amazon started doing that and people were like, man, I want this free shipping thing that I pay 100 bucks a year for. I really want that. So I want to do that. Now Walmart's doing free two-day shipping. Target does free shipping. All kinds of other online stores so have free Am- shipping. Amazon up their game and said free one-day shipping. Yeah, or maybe which is two, gonna make, or two hours maybe. Right, which is going to make Walmart and Target up their game. Capitalism. So man. look, I mean, look who wins, the consumer. Consumer wins every time. Consumer wins. It's it's a beautiful thing. I love it. I love these things that we've built. All right, guys, follow. And look, the lights are on. <laughs> guys, follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty. Follow us on Twitter at Good AM Liberty. Look us up on Facebook. Good Morning Liberty. Leave us a mother frickin' rating and review on Facebook. That's we get right. we get all those haters on Facebook. By the way, lots of haters on Facebook yep. because we have some videos that get you know hundreds of thousands of views, and those attract haters sometimes. And yep. what the problem is with Facebook? Got the haters. Not man. really much of a problem, but you can go on to someone's Facebook page and leave them a rating on their Facebook page. And our rating on Facebook is 2.8 out of 5 because of people that are upset with our views on politics. And the problem is that affects your algorithms when you post something, when you run ads, when you do anything like that. It's coming from a page that people have rated 2.8 stars out of 5 instead of a page that people have rated 5 stars out of 5. So what do we need everyone to do? Go over there and rate us 18 stars. Just do it. If you like the show, which I know you do because you listen every single day. 
Yep. We deliver this every day of the week, Monday through Friday. You know what? To save you time, I'm going to put a link to our Facebook page in the show notes. You can just scroll down right now and hit that button. It says, go to freaking Facebook and leave us a five-star review so we can tell those haters who's boss. I like haters. They're I do. good. Yeah. Those are good. When you're attracting haters. You're yeah. doing something right. Yeah. It's so true. It every, is. Every person that said that, yep. it's so true. But... Those haters can keep you down in the world of uh, sales and ads algorithms. So uh, if you guys want to go help us out, go do that. I believe we're stronger than the haters, and I think our, our audience is stronger than all them haters, man. Uh, hopefully. We'll see. We'll see if they can prove you right, Charlie. We have uh, nothing crazy coming up on the schedule. I think the you know the conventions and everything are done after Politicon for the year, but next year we've got some really cool things happening with the show. Uh, like Nate said, rating and review on Facebook. Do it on your favorite podcast app as well. And if you guys do all of that, we will be back again tomorrow. And I think we've also got a bonus episode that we're releasing from Politicon, a live one. It's already out. That's already out. Yeah, go, so today go listen you get to it. two shows. Yeah, this is the second show of the day. Yes, and then you know tomorrow, like I said, we'll do this all over again. I hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.